That's how you do it. All right, welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel, and uh, I have the pleasure of sitting down this morning. It's actually morning now with uh, Donald Lee. It's been a while since uh, since you've been on the podcast, but you've been running all over the country, huh? Yeah, I think it's been about a year, actually, hasn't it? Yeah, probably it was, so. I know there was snow on the ground the last time yeah. we did this. So. <laughs> yeah, man, so how you been? How's, uh, how's fall treat you? Uh, fall was good. Fall was good. Got out to... Uh, Seemed like a little better weather this fall, for one thing, hunting wise. So yeah, 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 I, yeah. It was. Uh, I don't know. It's funny. That's a that's a funny thing. How <laughs> depending on you where know, you for, were. Yeah, for some people, <laughs> I think of some people that had yeah would be singing a totally different <laughs> different tune. But, where uh, I was, yeah. yeah, where you were, yeah. yeah. Aside, you know, aside from the one little hiccup. I mean, the weather was pretty good sheep hunting for me, and then yeah. Moose, moose season was definitely better than last year, it seemed like. It was a good year, yeah. Which, that's, uh, being a pretty established moose hunter yourself, like, that's, how, what did things look like for you guys this year as opposed well, to last year? Because I know, I don't know, it seemed like last year, and maybe this is just me complaining, but the general <laughs> consensus, or I like to say the general consensus seemed like last year was kind of a bum year. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Last year was like. I mean, it was a real rainy August. I forget what the deal was there, but it seemed like a lot of guys weren't, they weren't moving the same or something. But um, yeah. uh, that year seemed no different to me. This year, actually, and I got to thinking about it after season, kind of based on uh, part of what you and I talked about last time, but uh, we did, did see fewer animals this year. We still got, you know, still got a moose, but, uh, you know, what is, and this is, you know, one or two years into after they've kind of halted the, aerial wolf yeah. program kind of up there where, where I'm at. So I, was, I thought about that. It'll be interesting to see next year as another comparison, you know, but. Yeah, it's, so. uh, it's a little, I don't know about you. It's a little irritating to me, you know, and, and it could just be the version of, of what's said that you hear, but it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to stop this and see what happens. Yeah. What do you think's going to happen? <laughs> you, know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, when yeah. there's, ju- you know, when there's just as many wolves as when they started shooting. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and they, uh, I actually talked with one of my buddies recently that, uh, you know, they fly surveys here in November and stuff once the snow hits the, snow hits the ground. Yeah. So he was flying, flying survey up the drainage that we kind of hunt in front of. And he said, yeah, saw a pack of eight in there and they had, had a kill. And it was like, oh yeah. So definitely getting a little more, a little more wolf pressure in there now. So oh, yeah. be interesting. Well, I don't know. I get the impression that the biggest, the biggest thing that that wolf control program had going for it, you know, they're doing it in the spring you know, before calving and they're like dispersing packs, which, yeah, you know, the reason that the, that there's just as many wolves as when they started is because it creates more, in theory, creates more breeding pairs and yeah, good point. You know, it can, it can, but it disperse it, you know, a pack of eight, nine, 10, 12, 15, 20, 24, 25, 30 wolves <laughs> has a heck of a lot easier time laying oh, down critters than, than packs of three or four or five. You know what I mean? Yep. Yep. And they do bounce back fast. I mean, there's already some, you know, in some of their surveys, there's some good sized packs again already. Up yeah, <laughs> up in those areas. Yeah, so. <laughs> and you know, we were talking about some pretty serious shooting. I mean, they oh, yeah. from the number, you know, you see the hides you're seeing going up and for sale, and you know, couple that with the private guys that were getting licensed yeah. up for it. You know, a big two, three hundred oh, yeah. wolves a year for were sure. getting clobbered. You know, absolutely. 
Yeah. But they're, yeah, just a super resilient animal, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was a, it was a, it was a good season. Good. I always, you know, moose camp is, for me, it's more, it's, it's about more things than moose. So we had, yeah. a, good, had a good berry year and uh, did a little, did a little grayling fishing too over there and just, yeah, had a, had a good old time. Nice. So, yeah. You know. The ideal, I would picture, you know, I kind of picture the ideal moose camp as a very relaxed situation, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, and especially, you know, if you can establish, you have one established, it's a good area and you kind of, you know, you have, you have your calling stat. Unlike me, you know, I'm still trying to figure a lot of this stuff out. <laughs> you know, if you, you kind of have yourself established yeah. and you know what to do and what to expect, man, I mean, it's kind of, yeah. moose hunting could be, if you're expecting a, a hot and heavy, constant stream of action, you're going to be severely disappointed. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, no, it was, it was good. We, yeah, ours is, ours is pretty relaxed. We, we eat a lot. And yeah. <laughs> take naps. <laughs> we kind of alternate, you know, do do shifts you know oh someone says hunting the top today and then somebody else will hunt the low country and yeah. hang out and just watch and yeah so had a good time yeah no that's that's cool and uh, there's something about to be said for for hunting the same spot and being able to figure it out <laughs> oh, yeah. over a few years you know i imagine it that's a little less stressful than trying to yeah, yeah. i don't mean i'm always trying to you know, being a sheep hunter where it's always, oh, I wonder what's over here now and what's over there. You sec- second guessing your decisions. and <laughs> Yep, yep. Yeah, this is, in fact, for me, I've, uh, you know, I've been talking with you some last few years about bow hunting, but <clears throat> I've kind of gotten to the point where it's like, I mean, I'll never say it's boring, but mm-hmm. I've, you know, we've been in that spot for so many years and killed so many moose in there at this point that it's kind of like, I killed one this year, but it's, I, I have more fun when I let somebody else yeah. do it at this point. And, and it's like, I gotta, I gotta take up bow hunting or something or mix this up, make it a little more fun again. But oh, well, you're, you know, you're an experienced enough caller and, and, and yeah. uh, that, uh, he can, it's very doable and it's fun. You know, the, the few Seems I've like, shot with a bow, it's fun. I bet. Yeah. I'd almost, I get more of a kick out of shooting a little, you know, <laughs> a little three-year-old paddle bowl or yeah. you know, two and a half-year-old paddle bowl than then, yeah, I'm not saying more of a kick than shooting like a, a big old, big bull with a rifle. <laughs> I haven't killed very many big bulls, but, uh, no, it's, it's a hoot and you, yeah, I think you'd have fun. Yeah, I bet. Just get to mess with, you get to play with them on a whole, on a little bit yeah. different level, you know, it's like when they, you know, with the rifle, you get it, especially you get them inside of two or 300 yards and the games, the gigs up, you know, yeah. now you're just. Right, you know, but where it's it could be a totally different ball game with yeah. a bow. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, this even this year, I probably would have let some. My cousin was up there with us, and he had his wife, and you know, we spotted. We were on two bulls actually, and and one I had called, but it kind of hung up. You know, yeah. it was out there quite a ways, and uh, and right at dark, we saw this other one. It was like, ooh, that's that one's quite a bit bigger. You know, so we're watching it and bedded down, mm-hmm. and it was like, okay, it bedded. Let's go. Like it's you know. I mean, it seems like that's pretty easy getting up on bull moose when they bet it a lot of times. So we yeah. basically went running down off of this hill and, uh, uh, and we were gathering up stuff at first, you know, and so it was four of us went down in there and his wife didn't bring a gun. I'm like, is she going to shoot this moose? Like I was thinking <laughs> she was going to shoot it. Yeah. <laughs> My cousin had taken moose, uh, both of the previous years. So it was like, well, he's, it's not his turn. That's for sure. <laughs> so I ended up, ended up drilling it, but but that one, yeah, that one still wouldn't have been bow range, but we called that one in quite yeah. a ways. Yeah, at least three quarters of the distance from, from
from when we first saw it. So nice. Yeah, yeah that is pretty cool. To, when you can, when you have a vantage point to see. I mean, someone, so many of the spots I hunt, and a lot of people end up hunting spots that you just can't see that far. So yeah. you know, you don't see them till they're till they're there. Yeah. Uh, yep. That's a pretty, and that I could see that being valuable too, being able to. You know, if you're working on your calling game, being able to see moose half a mile or a mile away Absolutely. and watch how they react to different things you're doing. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. 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 And, and you get a lot of uh, kind of moose, yeah, antics, I guess you'll call them, yeah. just watching over the years, you know, animals that won't come in, animals that do. And yeah, yeah it is pretty cool. Yeah. Do you pretty much, pretty much have your own system developed for, yeah. for what you do to call? Yeah. You know, I'm a lot of people... Um, uh, you know, I see a lot of cow calling, um, but I've, I've actually, at least where I'm at, I've found that that kind of works sometimes, but I always get better results with bull calling. Huh. Um, um, I've had cows come into cow calling and mm-hmm. drag bulls with them, which was, which has been pretty interesting. I've had that happen several times. Um, but a lot of times if I get bulls that hang up, if, if I'm doing any cow calling, if I just switch it over to bull bull stuff then yeah I'll, then i'll pull Grinding them right and out raking and stuff like yeah, that yeah so yeah i definitely you definitely kind of get your little <laughs> yeah <laughs> you One, watch them how they react no they didn't like that so let's try this you know yeah it, you yeah. know i'm more of a novice at it than than anything you know is most of my moose hunting's been you know just shooting freezer bulls around hey. town where they don't like to talk which is <laughs> you know nothing wrong with that but um i've noticed i've had cat more you know on several occasions had cows call answer, you know, grunts and rakes. Yeah. It's like they're, you know, you almost think they say turkeys, the natural, the way it works naturally is the, is the, the gobblers like call the hens to them. Yeah. But you know, somehow, you know, that they want it bad enough that if you you sound good (laughs) enough that, you know, you can trick them into coming to you. So I wonder if some of that's, there's gotta be some of that that goes on. Like they, yeah both call each other to them oh for sure and i think i think maybe that's why uh, you know just total opinion here but that bull grunting or bull not just grunting but bull calls yeah. uh, seem to work seem to work better i mean i've a lot of times seen this we kind of hunt this high bowl mm-hmm. you know um and a lot of times i've seen a bull uh you know he'll they'll, they kind of filter into this bowl over the season they'll kind of work their way through this thing and they're starting to herd up cows you know starting to starting to get their harems together but a lot of times a big bull will come up and he he'll hardly move at all and we may have seen some cows that were up in this bowl already well yeah. the bull doesn't go to them they'll end up going to him yeah so uh, cow calling i i think sometimes those big boys just yeah you know they're they're yeah cocky. they get they're their like, cows somehow you yeah, know it's like yeah. it's like this big mystery you know that, that i think generally the cows go to them to be honest and uh, and i've seen and I've watched bulls pushing each other around and mm-hmm. stuff, but I've seen a lot of aggression from cows too, kind of amongst themselves and yeah. rear up like horses and hoof at each you know, other. I've seen and, videos like them cow elk do that, yeah. kicking each other and stuff yep. like that. Yeah. It's pretty, a pretty interesting dynamic. Like you wonder the things you don't pay attention to when you're not targeting that animal. Right. You know, how much for a lot of hunt, that could be said for a lot of hunting, like how much that comes into play, like how much could you learn? By paying attention to animals that you're not targeting. Yeah, you know? no kidding. How no many kidding. times has been like, ah, oh, well, there's a cow over there, and yeah, 
you're not looking at her unless you don't have anything else to look at. <laughs> I've and I've located bulls that way sometimes too. Just you know, watching a cow, and then you know they have those huge ears, and you're just yep. you're watching them a mile away, and then kind of see their head swiveling. You know, they keep looking back at some spot, and so you kind of follow their train yep. of sight, and it's like, oh, there's a bull over there. You know, so yep. yeah, but yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. And uh, which was funny. I wanted to back up before we got too far. We brought up. The, the wolf control thing and i don't know i'm hoping you hadn't seen it there was an article i think it was on meteor that went up on what was the title of it was uh let me look real quick dude 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 play the jeopardy song <laughs> just want to get it right those cases would hunting grizzlies reduce conflict with humans is the title of this huh and i'm thinking is this a serious question yeah no kidding is that um, uh is that based on a certain state or is that well, just a general? It's, it's talking lower 48. Yeah. And regardless though, and you know, it wasn't, it's not like it was a bad article or bad information. I just read through it and it was, eh, you know, you consulting some scientists and there was one, I don't know if vague is the right word, reference to yeah. Alaska, you know, of someone who hunted, hunted up in the Brooks range up in Amwar and, and their guide told you know to keep the keep the carcasses and meat close to the tent because bear you know to keep the bears away because human scent. I mean that, that's all yeah. it was left at. It just kind of huh. leaves me scratching my head. I'm like, we're re- <laughs> is it really necessary for us to ask this question? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, I uh, and I don't know, and I I'd, you know love to get your thoughts on it. I don't imagine they'd be too different than mine, but. I was kind of, I was a little disappointed that it didn't reference Alaska more. I mean, <laughs> Alaska has so many more brown and grizzly bears than, than the lower 48 combined. And granted, things are a little different, but I, I we have like every test case you could imagine. We have yeah. areas that are complete wilderness that the bears have very little, you know, they can be hunted, but they have very little interaction with people. Yeah. Have areas that they can't be hunted at all, the wilderness. Yeah. Have areas around populations with, you know, healthy, high, healthy to high populations of bears, like even around Fairbanks, like there's a lot of bears around Fairbanks. Um, they can be hunted. You have, you know, like remote cabin areas with a lot of people, a lot of human traffic and tons of bears, tons of grizzly bears and black bears. And you have areas that are very, you know, very urban, high concentrations of peoples and extremely high concentrations of bears that, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that effectively aren't hunted. Right. Like you have every test case to look at. It's the, like, yeah. why, why it's not even a serious question. Of course, the more you hunt those bears, the more, yeah. you know, the more scarce. And it's trying to establish maybe like a scientific reasoning or like, oh, well, because they can sense this or that. And, you know, that'd be, that's all yeah. cool, but. <laughs> do you really need to dive that far into it? You start shooting, you start shooting critters. They're going to make themselves scarce. It doesn't matter what yeah. they are. Yeah. Well, you know, you talk about watching other species and kind of extrapolating to, to stuff that you're hunting, you know, just you talking about that made me think I was reading, I, don't know, I was kind of reading about the reintroduction of, you know, wolves in Yellowstone and Idaho and mm-hmm. some of these places. And, uh, they talked about how after a few years, the elk behavior completely changed. Oh Yeah. As far as where these elk were hanging out, browsing, uh, and they, I forget, they had a term for it, like, it wasn't ecosystem, but it basically was, like, ecosystem of fear or something like that. Yeah. It was not quite the right term, but something of fear. And that's the exact same thing. Like, these elk are now hunted, 
you know, by wolves yep. in this case. And so completely changed their patterns of behavior. Well, I mean, the same is going to kind of happen. Granted, they're not herd animals, but bears, you know, you know, hunted versus unhunted populations should have some sort of effect. Yeah. Well, and it, <laughs> it just seems like, like any animal you could think of, like there's a reason animals seem tame in a lot of national parks. Yeah. And yeah. tell you me know, about it. <laughs> where, where a good old boy can drive down the road, crack, you know, yeah. Like they're running as soon as they hear that the the pitch of that motor change or that pitch of that boat motor change, uh-huh. they're gone. Uh-huh. Like I don't, you know, I don't fully understand all the the scientific details <laughs> behind it. You know, whether it's just human confidence or oh, or or they see, you know, because I and it, it is a kind of an interesting question because you know not every bear out there is going to see his buddy get right. cracked, right? But somehow they know and they. Like, I just don't see that it's even, it's not even debatable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's so, there, you know, that's what disappointed me is there's so many, you know, it would take some work to like, all right, put it to paper and be like, all right, well, this is legit, you know, talk to biologists and stuff to, yeah to, you know, have doc and provide like a, a documented thing, not just like, oh, Tyler's experience, <laughs> but well, and there's so many variables too. If you were talking is. just human encounters, let's say the humans were hunting nothing else, you know, we're just killing bears. Yep. Okay, that's one thing. But a lot of bear, not all of them, but a lot of bear encounters, you know, occur with hunters, right? So, yep. well, hunters are out there with meat in the field. You know, yep. there's there's you know, hunger is a strong driver for for bears and every animal. So, I don't know, you got a lot of variables you'd have to consider too. But, yeah, for sure. But, yeah, but it's like you know. And I like to think, you know, even around Fairbanks, every one, every once in a while, it's been a few years, but I remember a few years ago, they killed several grizzlies right around Fairbanks. It was like one year that for some yeah. reason they were in, there were several bears in town. Yep. Yep. But I mean, right. You know, you get hop over the hill here and you're in the wild, you're in pretty wild country and there's a lot of bears and absolutely, you know, stuff wanders through, but you don't. No, no one has like bear problems around no, here because no. every bear that shows their face gets blasted. <laughs> yeah, and there's a lot of bait. You know, there's a lot of bait. A, a lot of baits. Around, you know. And, yeah. So yeah. they're they're hunted very. There's a lot of bears around Fairbanks, but they're hunted very hard, and there's very little, very little conflict. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they pretty rare. Pretty much stay out where they're supposed to stay. Yep. And you know, even in like remote cabin areas, you know, I know areas with a lot of cabins that have tons of grizzly bears. Yeah. Big ones, yeah. you know, and they're, you know, but they're, it's pretty liberal, like hunting opportunity. It doesn't mean, doesn't necessarily even mean that a ton of them are getting killed, Yeah, but they never, they don't, you know, I don't know. It's a pretty odd, odd day when any of them messes with someone's cabin or, I mean, that's your, your yeah, that's that would be your most typical like conflict is. Is you know bears getting into a cabin because a lot of times people aren't people aren't there twenty four hours a right. day they're not living there right but bears are curious and you know they s- can smell anything so oh, yeah you would think with that high density of bears that they'd be getting into everything but they just seem to not yeah that's seem interesting to not isn't to. it yeah then you got down there around Anchorage where they're just you know picking <laughs> hikers off the trail every riders. single year uh, every year you know someone gets eight down there yeah. Well, I mean, you know, what if you ask the same question about cougars, you know? I mean, yeah. Yeah. Like you Cal- said, it's kind of a no-brainer, you know? You know well, and, and there's examples of it, you know? Oh, yeah. It's like, you don't have to, I don't feel like you have to understand all the scientific reasoning behind it, 
But you compare areas and places that they are hunted and areas that they're not. Yeah. California. Yep. You know, everybody's <laughs> pets are getting eaten and, you know, and they're, and they're yeah. still being, like, the state just has to go do it. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I just, that bugs me a little bit. You know, and I think it's in the spirit of, like, trying to figure this out because, you know, it's it doesn't affect me firsthand but yeah i would i I would like to see hunting forum opened up down there i think you know there's a reason they they aren't scared of people yeah exactly (laughs) there's a reason everyone's getting chewed on down there (laughs) habituated and not i would yeah it it may take it may take more you know they're proposing you know a pretty like pretty conservative number of bear tags to to offer and at that rate it would probably take quite a while but you know they will like when you start shooting you start killing them they will start yeah. to make themselves scarce it oh, doesn't yeah. mean that they're not there yep yep but, for sure so i don't know what do i know <laughs> nothing <laughs> but uh, yeah it was funny i was uh don sent me a picture well not funny I, actually it's pretty cool don sent me like a bunch of kind of talking points that he thought he's a pretty thoughtful guy and he has way better handwriting than me <laughs> um the my chicken scratch depends on the day. <laughs> depends on the day. Yeah, how much of a hurry I'm in. But uh, it's very like, like it would be good journal, <laughs> like good journal handwriting. Like you know, oh yeah, here in a hundred years, you know, someone would read that, and <laughs> that's kind of what it reminds yeah. me of. Mine, mine, not so much. <laughs> but um, yeah, like I'm sometimes I know struggle with ideas to come up with. You came hey. up with a whole bunch of like cool stuff. I'm just flipping through through here one thing that relates um and i wanted to, i wanted to talk to you about and it's kind of this deal a little more with sheep hunting stuff yeah. hunting with dogs and what remind you know because you had you had written that down yeah and my whole recent trooper trooper debacle yeah. um not really <laughs> right. a debacle but a, um like law interpretation stuff like that it was it was funny i was like because you you know i was gonna bring up oh so you could say because it says you can't use a dog to aid like hunting big game that right. oh it's illegal i'm gonna write you ticket for bringing your dog sheep hunting with you yeah. you know like that's about that's the, ob- sa- that's it's about ob- the same difference it is, yeah right. it is <laughs> you know it's it's you know obviously not any kind of yeah. th- intent you know right but uh take yeah. my herd dog out there yeah so <laughs> yeah you're also, why are you why do you got an australian shepherd with you <laughs> but uh or yeah. babe the pig or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah, man. Like, how long? How long have you been taking your dog well, sheep I, hunting? And tell me a bit about that. I'm gonna first say my dad used to know a guy in uh, Oregon that had a Jack Russell. Yeah, that he actually did kind of use him that way. He'd oh, send man. that dog into the brush for elk. Yeah, <laughs> kind of round up some elk and chase them out of the woods. And well, stuff, it's, it's super common in Europe. Yeah, yeah, but. But yeah, uh, I mean, I think we briefly touched on that the last time we talked. I've only taken her, I mean, I've been doing the packing thing a little bit longer, but um, this was only my second or third time taking her sheep hunting. Um, and this year was the first time I've actually, I've always wondered, you know, mm-hmm. like what's going to happen when I get on sheep? You know, how am I going to handle the dog yeah. during a stock? You know, if, if I'm near the tent, am I going to leave her in the tent? Am I going to take her with me? So... Uh, this year, finally, finally had a chance to test that out. So that was that was pretty cool. But how did you? She did great. I mean, she. I don't think she ever saw the sheep. Yeah, uh, <laughs> probably. <laughs> so, but um, 
but part of that too is just making sure that she can hang tight in a spot and not mm-hmm. whine and bark, you know, because she gets excited, you know, she sees yeah. that gun and she can tell the, you know, tension and stuff when you're on something. So I was curious how she would react and she did good. I was, I had climbed up this big chute, uh, kind of this little crack to look, look over at these sheep. And, uh, I just kind of was like right at, you know, you get those stunted little spruces. So it was above timberline, but there was these little bushy spruce up there. So I tied her to, tied her to one just, you know, yeah. 10 feet down to me and crawled up. So she's watching me the whole time. So she's not standing on your back. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really running around like what's here, what's here, you know? So, and she did good. She whined once or twice a little bit. It was cold. Wind was, mm-hmm. wind was howling. And I just, I had left my pack there too. And I just kind of looked down at her and was like, quiet, you know, <laughs> shut up. And she did good. And I, I hung out there for an hour and she was quiet and hunkered down. And so, uh, you know, if you saw one at close range, I don't know what she'd do. I'm sure she'd bark and yeah. <laughs> go nuts. But but at least with the stock, she did good as yeah. far as me putting her somewhere and leaving her there. It'd be and, interesting if they, you know, smell them. Because I know like so many yeah. times if like you can smell those, like yes. we can smell those sheep if you're. You know, even a few hundred yards away sometimes, I mean, it probably going to vary vary from dog to dog, but (laughs) you better have a hold of the leash. Yeah, no kidding. If if they're a little little jumpy. For sure, for sure. Yeah, and my final, you know, the final, when I finally got to where I could see these rams, she was out of sight, so that Mm -hmm. was a good test, too. I wanted to see if she'd start, you know, doing any howling or anything. She didn't. She she was good, so. Nice. Yeah, and uh, what's your set? You got a little pack frame for packer food in, and then I do. I think there's some better ones uh, than the one that I have, but um, oh shoot, I just had it blank in the name now. Anyway, it's there's a couple of uh, rough. It's a rough wear pack. I think it's what it's called R U F F. Yeah. Um, so you see like two or three different packs online I've looked at that people seem to like. That was one of them, and mm-hmm. it's it's good, but it's. Uh, you know, I do a lot of brush, brush whacking to kind of get to where I'm finally going. So yeah. it's after, after the last two years, it's actually looking a little, I don't know, frayed up. You might say everything's working still as far as the zippers and stuff, but, but yeah, she's got a pack. I have her pack. I rarely have her pack water, but, um, she packs all of her own food, her little, you know, her collapsible dish, yeah, her leash and her collar. Actually, a lot of times I leave the collar on her, but, um. And then sometimes if we're doing a hike where I know it's, you know, we don't have any water for a long ways, then I'll have her pack. There's a couple of water bladders in the thing too. Mm -hmm. So she'll pack those, but yeah. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. It's uh, and I imagine like it's a lot of those dogs, if you got to, well, it would be probably not an accurate generalization to say dogs are sharp because some of them are not, (laughs) but you got a sharp dog. Like I think they can pick up on, they pick up on what's going on, especially, you know, Especially if they go through, once they go through a whole cycle of like, all right, this is what happens with me. This is what I do. And then yeah. boom. And then, you know, like bird dogs. Yeah. And yeah. then, all right, we get, <clears throat> we get to kill something, yep. you know, then, then I think they know, like, I've always been intrigued, you know, grew up calling coyotes down in Colorado and oh, I to still miss like, it's fine. Miss doing that. I mean, you were doing it a <laughs> bunch when you were down in the States. You know, you watch videos of some of those guys that use their dogs, even just some old mangy cur dog that's got half a brain, like just take them out calling. Yeah. From what I gather, there may be some like actual, you know, training rubric or whatever that they'll. <laughs> right. Maybe that's not the right word, but um, take them out, 
coyote call them with you, and those dogs eventually, like, they'll figure out what the game is yeah. and go out and harass those coyotes. I've seen videos where, you know, dogs out there harassing them, coyotes chasing back, and guys shoot, like, four coyotes in a stand, just <laughs> one after another, you know. Uh-huh. The coyotes aren't even paying attention to anything. Right. They're just focused on that dog, and that dog knows, all right, I'll go piss them off, and then just bring them back and get them blasted. Yeah. It's kind of like those uh, tolling dogs for, you know, waterfowl. Yeah. Similar concept, you know, yeah. those dogs and run loops out on the mud flats or whatever and the curious ducks would like fly in behind them and boom you know yeah yeah it's uh pretty cool yeah it'd be pretty pretty interesting did you have any uh like what would you say or any like big challenges with bringing a dog with you uh you know so this this year was the first time we got into some pretty gnarly weather just during the day out hiking around you know away from shelter and um uh, that was a little bit challenging because she she did, I mean, you know how it gets up there. It's oh, yeah. howling wind, and we have rain jackets, right, that are hopefully keeping us dry. Yeah. Well, she doesn't. You know, I didn't pack any kind of, you know, I don't pack rain jackets or anything for the dogs. So she's soaking wet, and the wind's howling, you know, and it's like, she got pretty chilled uh, once or twice. It was, it was interesting. We get back to the tent, you know, after a, after a day. She did pretty well when she's moving, yeah. you know. But then you get stopped, and she's soaking wet, and it's nightfalls coming on, so you're dropping towards, you know, yep. 30, 30 degrees or something. And uh, so that was a little challenge. I had to think about that a little bit this year, and I, I ended up using <laughs> – I might have to take something in future years, something light. But mm-hmm. uh, um, I have a reflective – it's basically uh, water heater insulation. Oh, gotcha. Uh, yeah, those yeah. Those foil-backed – Air little things. Uh, air yeah 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 i know exactly what you're talking about so use that for her kind of her sleeping pad but uh you know nothing she's had nothing to cover yeah. her, so i ended up using a lot of my own clothes <laughs> like I had, a, <laughs> I had a down jacket over her, you oh, know yeah. letting her dry out and stuff and you could see her under there shivering away so well i could see that as something people wouldn't think about because you know we're well people tend to live quite a bit longer than dogs and you know you do this stuff like you and i well we can dress for it and we know what to expect yeah. even if we've never been through that but that could be a dog's first time ever experiencing any kind of like conditions like that. Right. You know, you right. take them for a day hike. Uh, it, it's a different ball game when you got to be out there yeah. all the time and you get into some really nasty stuff, you know, like you do storm. We hit, you had, you know, like that big storm kind of across a lot of the state this cheap season. I think, yeah, I think that same, it probably was the same one where you were getting blown off. I was Got Somewhere my, on yeah. the edge of it, so Got I was just getting the rain. Ass but. handed to me on that one. <laughs> I was so mad. Still, I mean, I've, I don't I beat that horse to death, but I was so mad. I said, the whole hike out, I'm just like, I'm going back. I'm going to drive my shit out, grab my rifle, come back and kill that son of a bitch just out of spite. <laughs> Which ended up happening, but uh, yeah. I still I still gave it a shot. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I'd recommend if you person had a good dog i'd recommend it to anyone a lot of fun you know they little extra set of eyes and ears and she's fun to watch in camp she's always always kind of been this way i've camped with her a lot so mm-hmm. she's good in a tent but she'll always it's like she separates herself from not that i'm noisy but she separates herself from my noise and yeah. activity and she'll go she'll go sit about 20 30 feet off kind of on the outskirts of camp mm-hmm. and with her back to me just watching you know she's got her ears yeah. open she's looking around and just total sentry duty all the time and She's been useful in trails. I think I mentioned that last time too. If a lot of times, if I'm brush busting, sometimes I want to, you know, coming out of the mountains, I want to try to hit that same same trail, yeah, same path that I found. And a lot of times, I don't even have to really look for it. I can just kind of watch her, and she'll, she'll get pick right it out. On it. Yeah, because yeah. that, I mean, so, yeah, especially when you're busting through the sticks, it's uh, 
Yeah. It's more challenging than you would think a lot of times because it's not like you you have the time or can or luxury of chopping a big old machete trail. That's right. And a lot of spots, you know, especially if there's people around, you don't necessarily want them picking up on that's right on trails you're pushing. Yep. And you got to think if you're going into a spot, sometimes you know if it's your first, you know, if you're gone. Night. Yeah, and so you it takes some time to find some, you know, yep. sometimes you're in canyons where you you end up against a cliff and you got to backtrack and find a way around it or whatever. Yep. So you find that route the first time, you want to hit that on the way out too yep. instead of getting all tangled up again. So she's been useful that way. She just no. she'll pick it up a week later. I could and just, see that being Yeah, I could see that being extremely valuable like in in certain situations like you know, packing out in the dark or you're coming out heavy like you don't yeah. You don't have extra energy to expend running all over. Like That's right. I get so paranoid about it, you know, if it's, you know, hiking several times, hiking ridge lines out in the fog, like I know that Ram and was it that Ram and that Ram and maybe that one we're hiking out in ridge on ridge lines in the fog. And it's yeah. like, you know, you think it's pretty straightforward to stay on top of the ridge, but there's no trails like, you know, and you get they have little, you know, little mini peaks and stuff. Mm-hmm. You get up to the top of the, one of those, it's extremely easy to go all the way around it and be pointing back the other direction. Yes, it is. It is. I've, I mean, I've done the same. Or uh, bail off the wrong, into yep. the wrong drainage and you find yourself, I mean, sometimes in those situations, it's just soul crushing more and they could be, you could be 50 feet down from the top in the wrong direction and just have your soul crushed, realizing you have to climb all the way back up. Yeah. I mean, I've had the same thing happen where I actually had to stop and, and just make camp, you know, going, it was getting on, yeah. getting on nightfall anyway, but in Delta unit that happened once where I was trying to filter down off of this ridge. We had a couple of rams on our backs and it started snowing and it was foggy and finally it was like, we better just hunker down. You know, I'm not even sure where we're at at this point. We thought yeah. we were following this ridge down, but it's starting to look. And, you know, you just hunker down until it clears off and you can figure out where you are, where you went. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> but, yeah. Second guessing or, you know, when I when I got, got blown off this year hiking out, it was not to get out of the sketchy stuff and get down off the ridge line to where I could easily navigate. It was not tough. Yeah. It was not, was not very far, but it was blowing so hard that, like, actually I, I had which I should have done this with my phone hindsight. I stuck my GPS in a Ziploc in my cargo pocket. Yeah. On my rain gear. And it, you know, it's just so disorienting and you can't, you can't even like look up and look around cause you're getting blasted in the face so hard. You know, it's like, all right, no, it's cause it's kind of in some of those spots, it's critical to stay on the very, very tip top. Yeah, absolutely. You know, otherwise you can waste, you know, in half a mile, you could waste hours in rock piles and stuff like that where you're just struggling to stay on your feet yep. and pick through them where, you know. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was, that whole fog deal with me was before I ever took dog. I don't think I even had GPS back then, but, uh, but yeah, she's, it's been kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and you, you're not totally alone. You got something it can get. I don't mind it so much anymore. You know, I know the first time I went, I mean, it was pretty lonely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just like little twiddling your thumbs. Yeah, what do we do now? It's fun. It's it's cool. Like being able to just solely focus on what you got to do and not not worry about outspotting your buddy. Or yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> keeping your glass working while he's cooking his breakfast or boiling his coffee or something. Right. But, yeah, that's pretty pretty nuts. Um, I know you had mentioned uh, another thing, and it's kind of a common question. Um, what do you do with your water up there? Do you like do you filter it or? or? You know, I have one of these. Uh, uh, 
let me think what that thing's called. It's not a pen. Uh, they were originally made by some guy that wanted uh, water solutions for uh, people in Africa, actually, yeah. where they were struggling. It's like with a water. life straw or something. Life straw, yeah. That's what oh, gotcha. So I don't, I don't, you know, I used to pack filters and different things, and I never found one that I really liked. Yeah, I'm sure there's some good ones out there, but um, especially in really cold water, you know, if you're pulling water out of icy stuff, those ceramic ones are they just get all they get stiff, Silt, and, silty stuff. Yeah, yeah. So. So I've gone to this, uh, the Life Straw, and I love. So then I don't, I don't filter anything. I just fill my fill my jug with water, and then I use the Life Straw into that. Yeah. Um, I know. I don't know if you. I think you do. A lot of guys hike with a bladder uh, in there. I in don't. Their thing. I don't. You don't. Yeah. I haven't either. I just don't. I tried it in. What I don't know. It could have just. It could have been me not giving it a fair shot. What I you remember from when I tried it a little bit, it's like, all right, it was fantastic to have there for a little, you know, while it's full. Then it gets yeah. empty, and then you take it out, fill it up. Now I got to un like pack my pack to fit the thing right. back in there, and you know, I didn't like cleaning it. So it's you know, they they can be great. I think it's all personal preference, but um, not well, for me. It's not for me. Yeah, me either. I mean. For one thing, if you're not filtering, you, all that water's got to be filtered, right? Yep. Or if it's not, then you got to carry another container to yep. go into and then put your filter in that. So I just, yeah, I just have the standalone Nalgene and, and uh, Life Straw. And those Life Straws will last quite a while. What, is the, what do those things cost? I can't remember. They're not that bad. Them. They say they'll last for like 1,000 liters or oh, something. Oh, nice. So for the price, they're really actually pretty cheap. I want to yeah. say they're like 20 bucks, literally. Yeah, I know I have... Uh, I've got a couple that I need to mess around with more. I think they're both made by a survivor filter or whatever. I think one of them's a, a little electronic pump filter uh-huh. that would be, you know, not ideal for sheep hunting and stuff like that, but um, other stuff like wheeler trips or yeah. whatever stuff that's nice to have filtered water where you can bring batteries and whatnot. Absolutely. Um, that'd work good. Uh, and then I have a bottle that has a self-contained filter, kind of yeah. like a life straw that you just fill up the bottle and, and as you're you're sucking it through, it pulls it through a filter. Yeah, um, yeah, those have looked pretty good too. I haven't tried one of those, but yeah. yeah, I'm 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 interested to see see what it does. I have one of the older stair pins. It's kind of a cool concept, and I I took them on one sheep hunt, and the water's so cold. I went through batteries so fast. I uh, burned through like three sets of batteries in a couple days. Oh yeah. So, huh. I mean, I've been pretty pretty much exclusively using those aquamira drops yeah 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 for a while i mean if i was spending 30 40 days in the field at a time i would probably try to come up with something that's yeah that's non-chemical right but for the amount i drink it's oh it's just <clears throat> yeah. so much more convenient all you know and i carry a bunch of water bladders i carry like to where i can carry up to like 10 liters or so at a time yeah. and it comes in handy a lot of times oh I mean, yeah you got to always be thinking about water and all, you know, where I was at this year, there wasn't really close by water. So I'll stock up on like all 10 liters and suffer for a little bit. And then I've got two days right worth of water. And as I empty out bladders, I get some different sizes. As I empty out bladders, cooking and stuff, I'll just keep, keep, uh, the empty ones in my cargo pocket in my pants or something. And, yeah. and one time this year, it was actually when I blew the, I snuck up on those sheep with my bow and I got, I got to 65 yards. I think I told the story yeah. earlier, but I, <clears throat> they were in this bowl and they'd come up against this cut. They liked coming to the spot below the, I think it was a mineral lick below this uh-huh. cut bank. 
or kind of a, a shelf and where the the ground kind of sloughed off and the little springs running through it. Sure. And they got all went out of sight and it was like 300 yards and everything's nice, like soft, Ooh, like yeah. lush and quiet. I'm like, I just literally ran <laughs> in like two minutes. I made it ran running for me is a little different than some other definition, but I ran down there and got that close while I blew them out and didn't blow them out, but they spooked and saw yeah. me and I, Looked like an idiot pretending to be a sheep, but it worked, and they didn't. They just calmed back down. But anyway, after they kind of got out of sight, you know, I was able to just pull out, pull out my bladders and fill up on water. Yeah, while you were there, yeah. Um, making water, I'll, I'll tend to make water traps too. Oh yeah, like I'll carry some extra contractor bags for like putting meat, storing meat in in my backpack mm-hmm. when I'm carrying it. And those, if you're careful, and don't tear holes in them. You know, you can dig out sheep beds and stuff and. Yeah. Put them in there and, I mean, it can keep you into water for another it sure can. day or two. You do still want to treat that stuff. Yeah. Which <laughs> I uh, I was doing anyway, but I when I went back to pick up all my, you know, dev- destroyed camp, whatever, <laughs> the stuff yeah. I left behind, I'd just thrown some big rocks on my tent so it wouldn't <laughs> blow away. Um, I made it back there. There was one of the, you know, the water traps were all full of water, of course, uh-huh. and I filled off one. I went to go, you know, collect my trash bags so not to leave them there. And one of them was full of little wormies crawling uh, around the bottom yeah. of it. And I never, like, there wasn't any sheep crap in there or nothing, yeah. just something on the rocks, man. Like, hatched a bunch of wormies, so be sure and, <laughs> and treat that stuff. Uh, but I've never got, you know, I've drank out of some pretty suspect yeah wa- water and holes and used that treatment stuff, and I've never got sick from it, so... Yeah, and that's always and glaciated stuff, like yeah. silty stuff. Yeah, you know, people always debate you up here. Too. Oh, these yeah, it's so clean up here. Well, I, I happen to work in a hospital, so I've seen Giardia <laughs> cases. It yeah. it exists. Like uh, I don't, yeah. you know, I don't think it's maybe as common, but you, you've seen no. those streams even up high. There's moose crap in them. There's yeah, I think, squirrel crap. Everything. I think most like, of the time, if you're, you know, if you're care a real uh, swift stream or spring coming right. Like I did, yeah. I did, I will drink springs that are like, that's right where they're coming out of the ground. Yeah. 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 And, and with pretty good luck, but even, you know, like swifter creeks down low, you know, if you're careful, you know, you get it from the swift spot, like the top of a riffle or something, it's not likely you're going to get sick, but it's not a guarantee either. <laughs> right. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, what the heck was I, uh, uh, and silt too. It's funny. I've seen, you know, that that silt ain't gonna hurt you. You know, <laughs> no. You know, it's, it's probably good for you. Actually. It's not gonna. It's not minerals. gonna. Not gonna scrape your insides when you're peeing it out either. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah. you know, I've seen I've seen people post pictures of uh, Facebook stuff. You know, oh. Oh, such a struggle to find water. You know, what about that creek that you're camp right next to? You know, and it's of course like chocolate, yeah. chocolate milk silt and. It's not necessarily appealing, and that's one reason I like the the, the chemical drops because you know the you know you get run into clogging filters and stuff. Yeah. You can drink that silt; it's not going to hurt you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> get you a little iron, maybe. <laughs> Given enough time, you know, overnight and stuff, if you camp there, it settles out anyway, pretty much. Well, so yeah, Indeed. sometimes even like an hour or two, you get that in your bottle and just let it settle and just sip off the top. Yeah. You really are kind of taking minimal, yeah, minimal amounts of that. 
Well, I think the drops or tablets are always good things to good things to take, you know, because it's you know if you have a filter malfunction or yep. or, or a or and a, they don't weigh any, you know, yeah, two yeah. little bottles can last you yeah, a couple of years, long time. <laughs> yep, yep. So I always take some of those too, mm-hmm. just in case. So yeah, in case something you know, break your filter. Yep. Something like that. I would do something like sit on it or yeah, on some rocks or leave it sitting on a rock somewhere. Well, and my uh. It turns out I needed to flush it out a little bit better, but my uh, my life straw this year I didn't test it before season. It's still fairly new, mm-hmm. you know. So I get out there and it it like was, you know, however the thing works, it was like collapsing on itself, you know. When I'm trying to use it, I like could not get water through it barely, and I'm yeah. like, oh, this is this is not good, you know. <laughs> like I yeah. just started my trip, you know, and uh, I'm rifling through my. I'm like, wow, well, I know I brought tablets or drops or something, so I'm rifling around. I couldn't find them, so. I struggled with that for about a day. I ended up doing some drinking just playing out of a stream too because it was like, ah, I finally yeah. found my finally found my stuff in my pack because it's yeah, it's just this little bottle that mm-hmm. it had fallen down the bottom of some pocket and it was like, okay. Yeah, set. I usually actually, you know, it's a little maybe paranoid. I usually bring two two sets. Like I'll have yeah. one in my, you know, little like possibles pouch like with a lot of the gears little doodads and stuff that i might need throughout the day and then one in my like more first aid yeah pouch. it's not a bad idea yeah i don't know you know call me call me crazy but that and like <laughs> an extra pack do you carry extra pack belt buckle i have yes absolutely yeah because i've broken those little uh the tabs yep yep yeah. i don't have an extra one right now i think i used the one i had so i need to get another one but yeah uh, i've I've never broken, since I started wearing those Kafaru packs, I've never broken one of those. But in, when I was using the old Cabela's frame pack, I broke yeah. I broke my buckle twice. Twice, huh? You know, first time, the first time it was packing a whole deboned caribou out, which yeah. was not <laughs> smart. I was I was in really good shape, but it, <laughs> I was Putting also strain su- on the old I was suffering pretty bad. Like, you know, you, you suck your pack belt down so tight that you walk a hundred yards and you can't feel your legs. So you got to sit down and unbuckle it and like let the blood stupid, just dumb. (laughs) But yeah, I snapped that. I think it was the, the female end broke, you know, like it was a few hundred yards from, from where it could get the truck to. So yeah, it wasn't, didn't kill me, but it was pretty rough. And then it did packing out a sheep one time, but I had extra buckles. So. Yeah. Despite not having broke, broken one of the new ones, I still always have an extra buckle in there because, I mean, think about how bad, if you're 15, 20 miles back, how oh, bad man. that could screw your program up. Oh, it'd make your life miserable, wouldn't it? Yeah, if you're packing it. I mean, even if you're just packing camp out and it's yeah. a long ways, and yeah, not fun. No, I mean, that. <laughs> those packs are designed to work a certain ways, and they, you know, when you, you they aren't, you know, when you turn them into a Jansport, yeah. it's going to be rough on you. <laughs> That's right. But, uh, yeah. Another funny, well, <clears throat> fun, funny, interesting, yeah. It's always funny when you talk about poop. It was <laughs> an interesting thing, like, you know, you and I've seen you, you know, I, I kind of think I know your feelings on some of this stuff. I lit, you know, people litter and like oh, most yeah. people, it's it, it's pretty irritating. Like most people, you know, I've, I've found found people's trash and stuff when you're sheep hunting and, it, and it's irritating because it screws up, you know, screws yeah. it up for everybody else and it's not that difficult to pack it's out it's not it's not you know finding behind in areas and finding like it's kind of a novelty finding like well, well 
till you're finding like old canvas army tents and stuff <laughs> from the 50s and 60s. Yeah. You know, like a few old cans here and there. It's like, oh, well, that's kind of a novelty. But man, when you're finding MRE wrappers and yeah. garbage like that. Yep. Plastic you know, bags. and It's no fun. I mean, and really, as far as just garbage goes, I mean, I just, I tend to pack all my like, day, I don't know about you, I pack all my day food in to keep me from overindulging pack like a day's worth of food or what I allot for a day in one gallon bag. Yeah. And then as I eat through it, I'll just jam my trash and pack my trash in a gallon bag and it don't really weigh anything. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, plus I, it helps take care of the scent. If you got a good tight Ziploc, you yeah, know, yeah. any remaining scent as far as bears and stuff. But yeah, I had, you know, the place that I went this year, um, didn't see any fresh trash, thankfully, because I yeah. think, I don't know, I think people sometimes get lulled into a sense of here's, ah, you know, so far out. In no the one's no ever one. going to come back by yeah, here. Yeah, I'm just going to stuff this under a piece of moss or a rock while, you know, the animals find it and spread it everywhere. And Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I had kind of a funny thing this year, but uh, there's there was old trash. There's an old, old camp, and a lot of it's old. I've looked at it for a few years. So I actually spent some time this year burning a lot of it up. Yeah. I actually started a fire and just old plastic bags yeah. and wrappers from stuff. And so I burn that up. And then, uh, on the hike in, there's a, there's a little side Canyon that kind of dumps onto this main Canyon Canyon that I hike up. And there's a little camp right there. This guy, I kind of know who he is, I think, and, uh, tends to hunt up there every, every year. And, uh, <laughs> he's, I kind of hesitated, but he's kind of a well-known guy around Fairbanks, but I ended up leaving him a note because, He's kind of a woodsy guy. He's kind of known for that. And yeah. yet his campsite, he just packs crap in and just leaves it there. Like yeah. There's just trash. Batteries just thrown out in the brush, you know, leaching away into the moss. And and uh, so actually I had, a you know, an extra Ziploc with me and I wrote him a note. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, I, I think I went in, I went in pretty early and I'm like, this guy usually comes in later. Yeah. Know, probably September. So pinned him. I don't know if he got it. I pinned him a note up on the tree at his camp. Like, hey, clean up your mess. Like, yeah. <laughs> try packing some of this junk out like but <laughs> and i i left him my name and phone number too it's like I'm, i won't be a wimp about this I'm, yeah. well, i'll leave him my name and number if he wants to call me he can yeah <laughs> <laughs> no yeah that's it's uh you know there's even spot up in the brooks range you know one time i remember i and i don't know what happened if someone had stashed a bunch of trash and a bear got into it and scattered all you know it's just just not, you know, you're up yeah. there hundreds of miles from anywhere and you, you know. Yeah. Well, a, a key point too, and you mentioned the Brooks, um, you know, it's especially important these days, uh, you know, as, as far as the face of hunting, right? Oh yeah. And I mean, I hate to say this, but I'm also friends with a, a subset of people that don't hunt, but they do a lot of like Arctic, you know, exploration kind of trips, mm -hmm. you know, big raft trips, uh, outfitters guiding you know tourists on these yeah. big floats and stuff and unfortunately a lot of times their term you know is a-hole hunters you know because mm -hmm. they go out there you know they they want to float too in the fall as well right and they yeah. go out there and these camps are just trashed and you know just you know even as far as your you know if you bring back in your skinning stuff in camp and stuff you know that skin right who cares yeah you know especially if you're out in the middle of nowhere but some of these areas at least you gotta kind of think about how you dispose of your stuff you know and versus yeah. just leaving it thrown all over the place because we're not the only ones out there you know so we just we just turn more people off to hunting by you know we shoot ourselves in the foot basically yeah. so yeah yeah no i think making the effort to be 
you know, step above or, you know, yeah, leave it just like, leave it just like you found or, you know, like, just like you said, like throwing away your back skin or trimmings or something like that. Just get them to where no one's probably getting, they're not out in plain sight or something like that. Or I don't know. Well, in the brooks, especially, you know, some of these rivers get floated a lot, right? So these certain sandbars and stuff probably get camped on fairly frequently. So, you know, pack your stuff off a ways, throw it out somewhere so that, yeah. Yeah. I will not be, however, be packing my poop anywhere. <laughs> <You know. laughs> Which is, it's interesting because, you know, then I'll tell you my theory. I think I know, you know, I'm not much of a barrier. I do, I don't want like there to be freaking <laughs> white flags scattered all across the hillside right, right. <laughs> or, you know, yeah. across. I do like to keep it, keep it, you know, if I'm camping in a spot, like keep it in the same spot and then. You know, if I'm leaving, throw a rock on it or whatever. My biggest thing, you know, I want to be able to see. I don't want to be stepping in in someone else. I want to have like a little bit of warning. I guess that's valid. You know, maybe not not like scatter. You know, a minefield across the hillside. But you know, if I'm if I'm danger close, I want to you know have a little. Right. Signal to know that I, you know, all right, don't mess with this, you know. <laughs> oh, so yeah. I'm not a complete, I'm not a complete barrier. <laughs> Although if you bury, you know, you bury it deep enough, you know, in theory, it's not going to. Right, right. Should, big should. little cat hole or whatever, it's not going <laughs> to, you're not going to be running uh, that risk, but. Oh, uh, yeah, that's funny. I got into it with one guy a few years ago about that, just because I think I had posted something about a spot where I'd found, in a pretty remote spot, you know, trash yeah. and piles of crap with toilet paper you know just out in the open and it's like what kind of yeah <laughs> and the guy's like oh, i've never what do you i've never heard of burying and it's like what do you mean you did it's like the that's like the standard line that's always you know put out there by you know boy scouts and every kind of outdoor you know it's like bury your crap like so <laughs> so i got into it a little bit with him just because yeah <laughs> what do you mean bury it but yeah yeah so I'm kind of, I guess I would be in the middle. Like you're not full, your moderate stance there. Not full, not full like cluster bomb, but just at least a little bit of warning. You yeah, know. yeah. Warning before you watch where you step. Beware. Huh? But yeah, and a, and a lot of that also, you know, depends on the area you're in. If you're in an area where a lot of people are like, you get a lot of hikers and stuff like that, yeah, just take the effort to be a little yeah. more a little more careful. Yep. You know, with some of those, I, I've never had any bad interactions mostly cause I'm not, I've bumped into a couple hikers yeah. or like, you know, one, I guess they weren't floating. They were hiking a couple like non hunting parties out goofing around. Yeah. But for the most part, I'm just not where they're going to be at, but there's, you know, like some people that are, and there's enough of attention there anyway. You know, That's I know right. guys that are in spots where people intentionally yelling and trying to scare sheep off away from them, yelling it. at them and yeah. um, just some, there's already enough tension in there. So I guess yeah, it would be prudent just to exercise <laughs> a little bit more care. Yeah. Do what you can. But uh, yeah. yeah. And that's a key point. Probably those areas that get a little more pressure period, whether it's hunting or not, you know. But there's yeah. there's a reason places like the Grand Canyon they have to pack it out. You know, if they didn't, it'd be it'd be, be a mess. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's uh, you know, as as stupid as a lot of the the rules are, like on you know, especially the park. You know, yeah, uh, 
Park Service are a bunch of scumbags as far as I'm concerned, but, you know, I do kind of understand why some of their rules, however stupid they are, you know. Yeah, some and, of them. And it's like, well, with the, the problem I, I think comes is they, they some of these rules that are necessary in extremely high traffic areas, if they, you want any hope of keeping it yeah. looking like it is, are kind of necessary. Right. But they try to, you know, they take those and try, they would take they would put those rules in place the entire state, whether they, yeah. whether it's, you know, their land or not. Yeah. They're not, not putting common sense to them a lot of times. Yeah. I'm getting ready to, you know, break trail for the quest again. And that's speaking of, you know, park rules, fed rules, you know, we're not supposed to cut any standing trees. doesn't matter if they're dead or not, <laughs> you know, for firewood or anything. Don't, you can't cut standing stuff. It's like, are you serious? Like this is most remote. What are you afraid people are going to be out here clear cutting or what's the deal? <laughs> Yeah, and that's all that, I don't know. I think there's just like a deep philosophical, like, and it's, it's it becomes more extreme when you get like from BLM to Fish and Wildlife to the Park Service of like, you know, it's like, you know, they're most, for the most part, like anti-hunting, anti-any human interact, you know, just like the, if I would boil it down, it's like just the philosophy that any human interaction is bad. Yeah. So keep it away. Yeah. Well, there's that, and then I mean I don't know. There's some plenty of good people that work for those agencies, but yeah, I'm just yeah. speaking in like general like agency mentality as a whole that you see and experience. It's not yeah, it's not always pleasant. It's interesting, yeah, yeah. Definitely. But yeah, not not always common, not often common sense either. No, no. They have a well, we could go down that trail. <laughs> I was thinking some of the public use cabins, and which, you know, you want to keep those in good shape and they do get more traffic, but it's funny, you know, they'll come along and one of the ones that I use occasionally in the winter, they'll come along, they'll pull all the, you know, it's federal property, they'll pull all the nails, every, all the nails out of the wall and stuff, so you got no place, it's winter, you got no yeah. place to hang stuff to dry, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, we don't want nails in here. It is, well, yeah, it's just weird mentality. Well, yeah, you would think, like, all right, well, why don't we just leave the ones that are here, here, yeah. so... The next guy come along doesn't have to nail put more nails in there to hang his stuff up. Exactly. Like, <laughs> build a, build a drying rack in the first place or something, a, and yeah, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I don't know as easy it is. It's sometimes easy to get like um, conspiracy theory. Yeah, like go down conspiracy theory road. Like how much of it is just mess? You know, trying to keep people. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of a kind of a fun road to go down. But uh, <laughs> back on. You know, on the sheep hunting stuff, uh, I know you'd written down, and it'd be interesting to hear, see what, uh, Don's doing my job for me, giving me all these talking <laughs> points and ideas. Um, you'd written down, like, uh, four items you'd never go without on a sheep hunt. Oh, yeah. What would that be? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, we touched on one of them already, uh, which is, Water. yeah, drops or tablets, something. Toilet paper or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, that one goes without saying, yeah. right? <laughs> But I always take I always take some sort of water treatment in case my mechanical mm-hmm. device you know isn't going to work. So that's that's one thing. Um, yeah, when I was thinking of that question, I was trying to you know not thinking of stuff that to me is fairly you know a no brainer anymore. Like yeah, stuff that you might that's like you wouldn't that's not just obvious straightforward yeah. like stuff that's maybe a little outside the box. Yeah, like for me it's really obvious anymore since it exists, especially if you're going solo, taking in reach, right? Mm-hmm. Take some sort of device. Always take a sp- uh, stocking cap because you lose most of your heat through your head, yep. you know. Um but I was also thinking uh um uh I always take a little this is not nothing too wild either, but always a little extra rope and I usually take it in one of those 
bracelet oh, style yeah, yeah, things yeah. where you can wear it on your wrist. Yeah. Um, that's come in handy several times, you know, when you need some twine for something. Yeah. I, uh, um, I, you know, and I used to do the paracord thing, but really paracord's kind of overkill for a lot of stuff you is. need. The stuff I have yellow, it's almost, it's the same, the stuff I found is basically the same diameter and pretty strong as a, um, tent guy line cord. Exactly. Basically. That's what I've been taking the last that few years woven too. woven nylon cord. I mean, you could tie stuff on your pack, fix stuff. Yep. And it's not much bigger than maybe... 50 pound test monofilament or something. Yeah, no. And it's, and it's really strong. You know, it'll, it'll be like, you know, over a hundred pounds, I think. Yep. Yep. And I, I try, (laughs) I unsuccessfully, (laughs) it didn't end up working. I I tied extra guy lines and stuff like that this year when, you know, I was under siege there. It didn't end up working out for me in the long run, but it, it helped, you know, it's always nice to have something like that. So that's a good one. Yep. Yeah, on the parachute cord, I agree. Most of the time it's overkill, but I had one time where I had to use it. I actually had to, I had hiked up these ridges and, and ended up just dead-ended on this cliff. It was short, though. It was probably mm. 20 feet, but still not something I wanted to jump off of, you know? Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's just like, how am I going to get down this? But you literally thought about like, it. You thought <laughs> yeah, about it. Like, That's mm, what you looks thought. mossy, but... But uh, I used paracord that time. I had there was a tree kind of at the top end of that, and there literally was. I would have had to backtrack. I forget how far to get around that thing, and so I lowered my, you know, tied off to that tree and lowered stuff down. <laughs> <Paracord>. <laughs> but yeah, so I always take uh, water tablets. I think is one thing, uh, some sort of string or rope. Um, I always take uh, like a high quality, um, and you can actually talk to the guys in like the rafting businesses, like a good raft repair tape, yeah, or something equivalent. I've used that a ton, just repairing water bladders, bottles, tents. You know what I... I repaired a boat once with it and got dang, home. That's like, pretty heavy duty. Did uh, did you... Have you ever seen that Tenacious tape? I've got some on my jacket right now. That stuff's pretty good stuff. <laughs> I've used it to you know repair like holes you punch in the tent floor. Yeah. Um, rain gear... You know, puffy, like puffy stuff is what it's intended for. But, you know, you can use some of that stuff with some super glue to repair like an air mattress. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. I I mean, I repaired, I used a little pitch as well, but I used, uh, it was a pretty big patch of tape and pitch on a, on a, not just a raft. I mean, it was an aluminum boat that I punched a big hole in, you know, a long ways from home and got me home. So I always take, I talk to the guys at, uh, I don't know what that's called now, if it's still the same, but that pack raft company here in town. And he um, had, Bartlett, Larry Bartlett. Yeah. Pristine Venture. It was the other guy. Oh, it was the Northern know. Alaska pack rafts oh, or whatever. Gotcha. And I think they've since sold out to somebody, but um, he taught, I forget what it's called, but it's, you can actually get it at Lowe's. But he said, this is what we use. He said, it's great stuff. And I don't want to take a whole roll of it with me though. Yeah. You know, so I typically spool some of it off onto a, some sort of little spindle and then yeah. pack it in my stuff. Um. And then probably the other thing, super glues, I always take that, but I, um, I do always take a space blanket too. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I tend to have one in my, in my yeah. little first aid kit too. And I've used them. I've, I've used them even staying overnight, you know, without a tent, you know, when mm-hmm. I, I was, uh, I killed a couple of rams. I was with my brother one time. Back that up. We <laughs> killed a couple of rams. <laughs> we, yes. <laughs> Taking credit for both of them here. I've got to keep getting. Sorry, gotta, sorry, gotta, brother. Got to keep everything. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Got to make sure everything's explicitly stated. <laughs> you don't want to have clarified. to edit this for legality later. No, don't want to have to have more uh, idiots 
wasting my time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we had we'd kind of gone after these rams and ended up a long ways, long ways from camp, and had to wait them out. You know, they were we couldn't get onto them as yeah. far as being you know seen. So. I forget this sheep had bedded down and slept for hours and hours and finally dipped over this ridge, you know, so we get up there and we blast these things, you know, and by the time we get them cut up and down kind of off the mountain into this bottom where we had to traverse to get back to our camp, it was basically dark. Yeah. It was like, eh, we're not going to be in the tent tonight. So, yeah. you know, we just use space blankets kind of crawled up under a hollow. And, and, uh, so I tend to take those, um, my fourth item probably before the days of, uh, in reach would have been a mirror. I always oh, took yeah. a mirror. Yeah. And I still like, I still pack one so sometimes. So vain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Got to make sure my so hair can, looks good so for I the can pictures. look at myself. <laughs> <laughs> but I've gotten stuff stuck in my eye even. Oh, where it's yeah. like, and you know, a mirror is a big help with that. So, but obviously I also took it, you know, to signal yeah, you know, yeah. airplanes. I mean. No, yeah. I hadn't actually. That would be. It could be extremely valuable to have if you, you know, you, like you said, you get something in your eye or yeah. get a splinter, something scratcher, or you could cut open your face or something and you got to be able to see it to glue it together. Or, yeah. 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 Or whatever. No, that's. Yeah. So I don't always take the mirror anymore, um, but uh, still sometimes, yeah, just because the eyepiece I've gotten, you know, I've gotten shale in my eyes before out there and howling <laughs> windstorms. Like I had shale yeah, blowing off rough. a peak one time. It's like, oof. <laughs> Well, that's rough, man. But yeah, I'm just gonna what my. I mean, I definitely have pretty much all those that stuff. I don't bring as heavy duty a tape as that, but I do like bring that some of that tenacious tape. I got a cut. I bought a couple of like they're like Gear Aid. Yeah, like a little tent fabric <clears throat> repair kit has a little, couple sewing needles and a couple you know pieces of tape and yeah, a little bit of thread. Um, where. You know, assuming, you know, thinking back to this, this event last year, if I had not been able to been close enough to walk out at night and had to, I probably would have survived, you know, found a rock to get under and kind of wait, if I could have waited it out, you know, I may have been able to, with a couple, I have a carry a couple tent pole shit splints too. Yep. You know, I may have been able to get that tent in working enough order to. Yeah. To get it back in action temporarily. Probably would have. Yeah, I think I used um, way back in the day, I think it was tape I used. I didn't. It wasn't raft repair tape back then, what I was carrying. But uh, I had a similar experience except without the rain. Uh, yeah. I had a tent that, like you were talking, and then the wind is howling so bad, you're kind of... You kind of like gripping the floor thinking, is this thing going to blow off the mountain, yeah. you know? Like, you know, the whole tent's... It's like, well, holy smokes. And uh, toward morning, it exploded, you know, oh, <laughs> just yeah. boom, just flattened out, you know, and, and uh, we managed to repair that one with tape, but, you know, after the wind, wind went away, but that was, yeah. Was yeah, early. it happens occasionally. I mean, that's the first time it's happened to me. And it's just like a, I don't know, I was pretty calm because it was just like a let, so it's like, well, <laughs> guess that's, I guess I'm not staying here tonight. <laughs> I mean, I know guys like, I think it was, uh, yeah, John Whipple guy went. I went goat hunting with a couple of years ago. They had been on a goat hunt on Kodiak and had, what, are the two or three Hillebergs, uh-huh. and they all blew up. It was so bad that oh, they man. all blew up, and they had to kind of jerry-rig one tent out of the what was left of the rest of them. <laughs> but, yeah, what a mess. Shoot. But, yeah, I don't know what the heck. Um, I would say, I don't know, and I talk about it all the time, but my puffy layers yeah are still like uh, yeah 
and that, you know, it may be more of an obvious one now, but it used to not be obvious to me. I used to not ever bring that stuff. And now it's just, they're just so good at keeping you warm in a, such a variety of conditions. I mean, even, you know, even in the winter time, like uh, Thanksgiving, we were, it was warm, you know, it wasn't real cold out, but we were out you now down at the in-laws and running around snow machines and yeah. <clears throat> snowball fights and playing with the kids. And, you know, it got pretty, pretty sweated up and, uh, you know, where you just soaked. I was just wearing a cotton hoodie under my, like, lost parka. Yeah. And pretty much thoroughly soaked, but just kept at it and just the, the, your body heat pushes that moisture out of it so good that after a while, you know, the outside of that jacket's soaking wet. Huh. And, and my, you know, cotton stuff underneath was dry and that's like, nice. a, you know, a poor choice for survival under, under garments, but, example, it, but it, it works well. And, you know, like, you know, it's winter time now that's one of the biggest things, you know, whether you're trapping or riding what any, your sled breaks down. One of the worst things you can do in the winter time when you're out is get sweated up. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? It's like taking off layers and stuff like that. And if you happen to get sweated up, having, having layers that'll at least push that moisture to the outside and keep you warm, you know, cause a lot of stuff, you know, I mean, I love my Carhartt bibs, but man, they get soaked. They don't really keep you that warm oh, and then man. they get frozen. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's always fun when you get, yeah, they get zippers down there at the bottom too. And they're yeah, frozen. You yeah, can't get they're your all feet frozen. out of them. <laughs> I started, oh, man, this is totally going off the rails talking about winter stuff, not sheep hunting. <laughs> but I, the one thing I will add is I started wearing gaiters over my bunny boots. Oh yeah. Yeah. Too. Cause I used to not. And then you're. Snow, your your shoelaces get all caked with snowballs yeah. and yeah why were we so slow to learn i didn't either for years and years and then i started trying to walk like, in deep snow you're getting oh, constantly man. dumping the snow out of your boots and yeah. yeah it's like what what was i thinking nice <laughs> pair a nice pair of gators man it changes it but uh sure does yeah what the heck else i mean stuff I'm trying to think of stuff you didn't cover i mean definitely puffy stuff that's kind of straightforward but i can't stress that enough like it just made life so huge. much nicer yeah um <clears throat> Yeah, that's, I always, that's a big one. I'm a little, sometimes I'm redundant on stuff. I'll always carry more than one knife. I hmm. usually have a pocket knife that I like to do day-to-day stuff with. Um, I have a lawn for, because there's just nothing better than like a yeah. surgical blade knife for caping, like cutting or skinning around horns. Yeah. But I, and I do, the past couple of years, carried one of those, you know, bench-made like S90V Gotcha. Little lightweight ones, and like I think Kestrel makes one that's you know, there's several like really lightweight, yeah, knives out there. But you know, you could, yeah, you can in theory do everything with one knife, but man, yeah, knives can be little, little things can have a way of disappearing <laughs> if you're using them all the time. <laughs> so true. I just have like stuff that stuff like that that I just keep in my kill kit and it doesn't come out till I kill something, yeah, yeah, that's wise. I um, do that too, actually, two knives, one small blade of some sort for, yeah, fine work, caping yeah. and stuff, and then a normal, normal, a little bit bigger knife, so. Yeah, just having that flexible, flexible blade for, yeah. for skin and heads and stuff like that, and usually, you know, those, those S90V knives, you can touch them up. I usually don't want to carry a sharpener, so, or like a super lightweight one, and yeah. actually, like, they've, um work sharp i just got a few of their new like manual sharpeners like they've cut they've they have one that's a good pocket knife one they're all pretty tiny but they're just the v like carbide and ceramic you know your yeah classic like draw 
pull through sharpeners and they work they work pretty well you know one of the models has three little star oh yeah um little torx writ torx bits yep <clears throat> so i mean that's a big you know huh. seems like my pocket knife i'm always having to tighten up those things oh right but uh yeah that tool i'll, I'll usually take a little tool kit you know like fix it sticks or something that i can tighten up screws on stuff because i've had stuff like that loosen up that's a good idea yeah. over time you know it could be a pretty minimal thing but you want stuff to be able to tighten your your make or verify that your scope rings are tight yep you know rings and bases um any basic just go, like i think of it in a way of like going through all the basic tasks and equipment i have and what might i need to yeah to fudge what? and fix and fix stuff if i need to so exactly yeah like what could go wrong and what would i need to yeah try to hit those hit those points and yeah, yeah. for sure when you're packing yeah. yeah luco tape definitely is one now i, yeah. mean, I stole that from aaron snyder that's it's not an original idea of mine but for uh you know you guys probably use that in the medical field yeah, quite a bit definitely know what it is yeah it, uh, yeah stuff's about the best the, I use it for all kinds of stuff, but it's about the best stick in like blister prevention tape. Nowadays, I just tape my heels up before I even leave. Yeah, yeah. And it stays on there pretty much the entire hunt. Nice. Like it will finally come off in the shower after you get back. But <laughs> nice. that, and I can take a little extra wrapped around. I mean, I've used it to fix a few things here and there, but uh, yeah, that's definitely a big one. My <laughs> list seems a lot lamer than your list. No, I think, up no, that's, it's all kind of what, no, that's a good list. I'm sitting here thinking as you're talking of a few more things I should take. Like, uh, I think it's probably wise to take some of that stuff that, um, oh, I forget what they're called, but it helps hemostasis. So if you like really got, you know, if you fell or Quick really, clot. yeah, stuff like I that. I actually do in my first aid kit, I have like one of the little, <clears throat> I think it's adventure medical kits or whatever. You can buy like a little trauma pack yeah. that has a couple quick clot sponges. You know, I mean, you're, that's, I mean, that's probably case, pretty crucial. If you yeah. had in, you know, if in the case you had a, like some kind of catastrophic, you know, you're only going to be, a, you can't, you know, bring a medic with you. Right. You're just some situations you're just up shit Creek without a paddle, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, for, to have that option, you know, could, save you potentially it could it could and that's that's actually one area that i've looked at a little bit over the last few years i feel like first aid wise i end up going probably a little lighter than i should like yeah that uh that probably is a key thing to take first of all you're working with knives you have ample opportunity to fall a lot of times oh, sheep yeah. hunting, and so lots yeah. lots of ways to bleed yeah. out there you know and that's but, you know one super glue like you said there's after i started carrying that after i um but <clears throat> two times in the same year this is when I went with Frank and Delta, and then we went and got mine. Both hunts, I damn near cut the tip of my finger off cutting yeah. salami. So no more, it's all pre-sliced salami. <laughs> Good thinking, pre-sliced. There we go. <laughs> you know, my razor sharp pocket knife. I don't know how I, yeah, what I, I did it, and then super glue saved me there. <laughs> well, I talked but, to a guy. I don't know. Maybe I mentioned this last time, but because I always pack super glue too, but that it. Uh, I forget, he had a moose, like, leaned up against, part of a moose leaned up against a tree by himself, yep. you know, trying to skin this thing down, and he ended up slashing, you know, thigh, like, oh. really deep. Yeah. Like, bad enough that he ended up, it ended up ending his trip, but he managed to glue the sucker together. Yeah. And, and it, keep, yeah. you know, and then, yeah, that that can save you right there, you know. Oh, man. Just, even if they have to open it back up and flush it out and treat it, you right. know, back, you know, it's, 
you're not you're not going to be permanently fixing things, but you know a temporary yeah. thing. So you're not which bleeding out on the tundra. which you know some like that like that Luco tape. You know if you if you had a big long gash or something, the stuff tends to stick. If you could you could get it a little bit dry, where you yeah. can use like a big butterfly to keep it something tapes together. You know it's not going to feel good when you get to the hospital and they have to rip it off of there, <laughs> but it could save you. You know, or that's right. Luco tape would work good for. Um, and, you know, it reminds me, I, and I should probably learn better myself, but like learn how to, how to tape an ankle. Yeah. You know, like st- that Luco tape, it's, it's just like beefed up athletic tape. Right. And right. I mean, you can, if it's you get an ankle injury, you know, you know, you can, you can tape up and you could, if you have enough of that Luco tape, you could tape up an ankle and really su- help support it substantially. Yeah. yeah. I, I haven't done it. I have some books on it that I've read through, but. Yeah, I think, you know, the kind of hunting we do up here, especially, you know, sometimes being so remote, it's probably, you know, occasionally you'll see these little couple of day classes or whatever on wilderness first aid, probably good classes to take too, where you'd learn some of that oh, stuff, yeah. you know, like how to reset a shoulder that comes out of, out of socket, yep. or, you know, some of those kind of and, things. And, you know, even, and stuff like, like uh, when I, you know, I'd got my assistant guide's license, um, had to take one that, you know, talk, you know, dealing with and recognizing hypothermia and treat, you know, just treating common, like dealing with common wounds in the field. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a big deal. Like, you know, my old, old man was a, used to be a football and track coach. So he taped so many ankles. Yeah. You know, thousands of There's a times, definite technique. But it, it, yeah. yeah. You know, the way you put the tape on, it doesn't take a ton of tape, but you can, you know, if you, you marginally hurt your ankle or something, or you can really beef it up and support it. Yeah. Although it's a balance, you know, a lot of times if you're, you know, you're on the hike out and you twist your ankle, you might not want to take your boot off because you might not be able to get it back on. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I, yeah, no, it's off topic, but I broke an ankle once logging and uh, it was, already, it was so. like that. Yeah, <laughs> just rambling. But uh, yeah, it was like, no, nah, I started to take my boot off and it was already swelling up. It's like, nah, I'm just going to leave that boot on <laughs> until I get home. <laughs> yeah, tighten that sucker down and to walk oh. out. Yeah. But. Yeah, I've been pretty fortunate. I haven't. I've been with guys who've twisted dirt. You know, one of my buddies twisted is actually on the trip we got that ram. Like, yeah, the first ten minutes of walking out, twisted his ankle pretty bad, Oof. and I'm like, just tighten that sucker down, and you know, we made it out, and he, <laughs> he said his you know whole foot was black Ooh. for a week <laughs> or two weeks, but Jeez. yeah, that's uh and another, you know, that's kind of another little thing I've picked up over the years. A lot of times, you know, the, the few injuries I've seen, a lot of times it's right at the very, you know, like the first few steps leaving, you know, or something like that. Sometimes the first day walking in. Uh, yeah, it's, boy, it's surprising that doesn't happen more often, huh? Especially packing heavy loads down off of steep places. But you, yeah, you would I'm think, you know. really careful. I've had a lot of close calls, I. I know in when I was hiking into Toke last year, I only, I was down, I think I left <clears throat> one of my trekking poles on a beach on Kodiak somewhere or something. Oh, I, it didn't make it back somehow. <laughs> I don't know what happened to it, but so I had one, I didn't feel like buying a set. So yeah, I went in there with one and I'm hiking in my moon boots, you know, my overshoes wading back and forth across the Creek and just walking on a flat gravel bar trip, fall on my face. And then <laughs> yep. when I pushed off to get up, I hear crack. Yeah, my trek, you know, my trek and pull. Luckily, I had it fully extended, so I just backed it in a little bit, and it lasted the rest of the trip. But you know, pack a whole sheep and camp out at once, you know, (laughs) down some pretty steep stuff. Oh man, 
yeah, it's yeah. But. I packed a. I mean, I I normally try to double stage everything, but I packed a yeah an entire sheep down off of a. It was down timber. It was it was a sheep that I actually got below timberline, yeah. and it was just a gnarly spot. And I was like, I'm not hiking back up here for a second yeah. load. So, but yeah, boy, off oh, I just went super slow. Cause yeah, it's so easy to oh you have turn to, an ankle you know. and yeah that and and the other thing if you yeah if people do decide to be dumb and do one load super slow and take a lot of breaks like yes yeah you can your body will you know typically kind of acclimate to that that amount of weight and i i can handle it pretty well but i have to go slow and take a lot of breaks you know because it doesn't take much you know your margin for error once you start fatiguing or you feel your legs starting to get a little shaky all it takes is one little bit of misstep and you're on your face that's right (laughs) yeah yeah and i always you know, sometimes you think, "Oh, I'm going to come back to back for back for camp or whatever." But yeah, I always pack. Talking about the shaky legs, always you know snacks too when you're packing because yep. yeah, you start getting a little shaky like that. And oof, time to yeah, time to drinking, stop and have drinking some calories. water and have and and eating. Yep. Well, <laughs> yeah. Well, that was wasn't too great of a, going over my list. I was trying to think if there's no. That's good stuff. Anything I hadn't hadn't gone over that you didn't hit. That was good stuff. Yeah. I mean, like a bio. I always bring a bipod for my rifle nowadays, mm-hmm. especially with those uh, those new like carbon fiber, the Spartan Precision ones. Yeah, See, I haven't done you. that yet, but I need. I've been oh, thinking about nice. it. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I used to pack a Harris. Oh, man. Just I found it worth it to pack it, and then when I'm on a stock, put it on my rifle. And, yeah, because I've shot most of my sheep off a bipod, hmm. and it just gives you a little bit more. I mean, I forgiveness haven't. and stability. I haven't, but most of my shots have been prone. Yeah, yeah. so it would have been would have been a nice. You thing. know, most of the yeah. time you have the opportunity to set it up. You know, this year was no different. You know, same thing. And uh, I'll show you one. Of, I got one of those Spartan Precision, the light. Yeah. The light model carbon fire. It's like it's even lighter than the other one. Huh. They're pretty spendy, and I think it's cheaper than the original one too. But they're pretty spendy. But you know, you just take care of it. It'll last you the rest of your life. Yeah cheap awesome. on and they weigh l- like a quarter of what a steel bipod does uh, that's cool or aluminum whatever that. they're made of yeah nice but, yeah something like that electrical tape of course yeah yeah tape, electrical tape good. up your barrel i'll use yeah. that a lot of times for taping my uh, load lifter straps on my backpack because uh-huh. there's uh-huh. nothing like do you think you get you experience being annoyed and like <laughs> Try get you know you get trying to hike and when it's blowing thirty forty miles an hour and that low lifter strap pout, uh, pout you know bangs you right in the eye <laughs> snapping your face constantly oh it's so annoying <laughs> and some guy yeah you know, I mean some guys are pretty good about like rolling up all their loose strap ends I'm not yeah so. no I do not usually either <laughs> it's usually uh, you know put up with it for thirty minutes and then get pissed and take my pack back off and, and slash them down slash them down yeah you know. uh, huh. but. Anyway, what you got? What plans you got for this winter? Oh yeah, man, doing some trapping. You know, I have, I did, I've done a little bit, kind of early on here. Yeah, but but uh, not much, just because I am doing kind of the school thing this yeah. winter, trying to finish off a degree that I should have done decades ago. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm gonna go break trail for the quest again, and I'll probably get out and do some get after wolves, maybe a little bit. Yeah. after that. So depending, we'll see. It's been so. It's been so stinking warm again, yeah, you know? It so, well, I mean, we'll see what the ice is like, but I was looking at, it was kind of an interesting shot, actually. I had average temperatures for um, Coal Creek, which is mm-hmm. partway along that, along that trip, you know, for the last five or six years. And 
by far the warmest this year. Yeah, so, it's like, interesting. Yeah. I think five years ago, average November temperature was, man, might have been six years ago, it was like minus 23. It's like yeah. this year it's 0. 0.8 or something. It's not <laughs> even a negative temperature, you know? Yeah, that's crazy. It's like, yeah. So, yeah, it's, I'm interested to see what the next few years looks like. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, you can, whatever, the whole, without getting into like the whole climate debate, I don't know, it's just. It's interesting. It's interesting to it's see changing, regardless of whatever. The yeah, cause changing, was. and it's it's yeah. interesting. Interesting. I'd be interested to see if it, if it cycles back in a few years, because yeah. like, you know, if if you know, five years ago it was normally around twenty below or around Thanksgiving. Yeah, and now it's like now this is Zero. the new norm. <laughs> that kind of change is too dramatic to be like. Yeah, we would have some some be looking at some pretty big problems but yeah i was just looking at they'd shut cod fisheries down now too just because they think that's warmth related as well along the alaska coast but but yeah i don't know so i'm gonna be kind of buckled down doing that i think i'm gonna uh, i can't hunt it but uh i'll probably do a a winter hunt with my brother and take take a friend that i just just so she can see it and experience it but get the arctic ovens out and go do a little winter uh it's a subsistence caribou hunt tetlin down that way so nice yeah that's always fun tooling around and probably take my brother's nephews maybe get get one of them a caribou yeah so i think i'll do that and i don't know i did it in march before which is nice you Mm -hmm. get the long days yeah when the sun starts coming back yeah so i might i might shoot for a little bit earlier this year february or something but yeah so (laughs) <laughs> nice yeah yeah i don't know i'm pretty pretty much wrapped up with hunting for the year i think i i don't know if i'll get any trapping done this year yeah just busy enough which that's that's okay yeah but yeah. uh yeah i got plenty of stuff to keep me busy shooting my bow and skinning other people's stuff and yeah <laughs> <laughs> and uh uh-huh. yeah but i'm looking forward to already looking forward to next spring it's yeah. too early to be doing that Gosh. but <laughs> i can't help myself so i know I keep uh, looking at looking at my poor boat out the window every every day. <laughs> Should have parked it somewhere else. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I had to repark mine partway into the winter too and get it get it finalized. But I don't know, you know, winter time too. You get all the drawing tags and stuff start coming up. So then yeah, I did finally. I did finally put in the other day. Yeah, I picked up picked not drawing their general, but I'll put in for drawings too. I picked up a a deer tag for idaho for this fall oh, so nice i think i'm gonna try to archery hunt that and actually cool. start practicing up more and yeah i'm not sure i'll probably go down hunt rifle first and then if i don't see something i like i might shoot back down for a rut you know you can yeah. hunt archery in the rut so that's kind of what i'm thinking i might do yeah i'll give you one of these um, uh, hunting in the rut oh yeah what's well, mule, oh, a yeah, mule yeah. deer call oh yeah and uh i mean I used them when I was a little kid and called in all kinds of mule deer with oh, those yeah? things. And they work great for blacktails, too. Nice. But, That's uh, funny you mentioned that because I was just reading some stuff recently where guys were like, oh, you can't call mule deer. Nobody calls mule deer. BS. <laughs> yeah, it's like Nobody they... may do it, but it works. I, I mean, would think so. It may so. not work universally, but nothing does universally. I mean, right. called in a lot of deer huh. That's with cool. those things. Yeah. So... Why not? Yeah, I don't know why they'd behave any differently than, you know. White tails right. or, or whatever. You call in a lot of does with that. Huh. But, you know, we when I remember one specific time, too, we were kind of in the foothills of this mountain range calling coyotes, trying to call coyotes. In the, it was like late November. Yeah. And uh, using, there's a lot of mule deer yard up around there in the winter. So, yeah, we'll use this, you know, fawn, use the fawn side and use kind of a distress call. Yeah. 
we might, I think we called in six bucks. Huh. Like some, a couple pretty big, all of a sudden they're popping out of the trees left and right all around us. And you see one, or you could see down the hill out where it opened up into the sagebrush and some trees along a creek down there. You could yeah. see one buck came from over a mile. Wow. Run up, hopped the highway, came up, I mean, circled around. Yeah. So huh. it, Interesting. Yeah. It, you know, under certain circumstances, it works for sure. I mean, it's just dynamite on blacktails. Uh, cool. I couldn't believe how well it works, but. <laughs> That's fun. Which I'm going to have to get down, get down and do again here. Yeah. Yeah. Very shortly. It's been too, it's been too long since I've. I know. I love the coastal hunts here for blacktail. I yeah. thought about doing it this fall too, but didn't. But yeah, yeah, take the bow down and call. I mean, well, rifle bow, whatever. Calling those things in the timber is so much fun. Uh, I bet. But yeah, I've never tried calling them down there and just just hunting them, but spot and stock kind of thing. But yeah, or still still, still, still hunting's hunting. a lot of fun. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so it should be should be a good winter. But yeah, I man, I appreciate so. you. Appreciate you stopping by. It's always good to always Absolutely. good to catch up. We'll have to do it more frequently. Absolutely. <laughs> have to have to be have to be less than a year <laughs> before you're back on. We still got a lot of po- got a lot of your talking points to cover. <laughs> got some more some more material, huh? Yep, absolutely. Right. But yeah, man, it's been a pleasure. And uh and listeners, if you enjoy the podcast, appreciate if you uh if you leave a good review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on, uh that helps out and I I appreciate you listening and uh and we'll talk to you later. Thank you. <laughs>